Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. LMFM Sunday Sport. Your sport, your station. Okay, so Keen, Andy McEntee announced he was resigning as Mead Manager on Monday. No real surprise, I guess, particularly after what happened uh, last October, but... I was thinking about his kind of time in charge over the last few days. And I guess there's a, maybe an element of a kind of a bell curve about it. Like it, it, they peaked in kind of 2018, 2019, um, you know, getting to the Super 8s, having that really close game against uh, against Tyrone in Navin in the qualifiers when they lost after extra time. And it felt like at that point, Andy was, was ringing every last drop out of the squad. It's kind of fizzled a little bit since then and it came to its inevitable conclusion uh, last weekend. What's your analysis of his time at the, at the helm? Yeah, well, I suppose, look, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because there was definitely significant progression in the in the first few seasons. You could see we were we were almost getting closer and closer to to the the goal, the obvious goal, which was to get to Division One. Um, there was some quite disappointing championship performances in that time period, and mm. uh, you know, in particular the the loss against Longford in the championship was probably a very disappointing one. I think the in the first season, the loss against Kildare and Tullamore was quite a poor performance on the on the day as well and look we we didn't really get a massive amount of good fortune with um qualifier draws in those in those years either where you know sometimes in the past we maybe got uh, the right draw at the right time and you were able to build a bit of momentum so look they were a little bit unfortunate in the early seasons in terms of championship and the league they were they were i suppose making gradual improvements and that ended with I suppose getting promotion to Division One, which was a very obvious um, target for for the management team and and the players alike in in that um, in that period of time. Um, I suppose looking back on it, if it, you know, in the totality of the of the six years, probably the most disappointing thing is almost losing that Division Two final because it's like you know it's a National League final that they're in. We lost yeah. against Donegal in a game that we were quite competitive in and I suppose that's maybe the story of that period of time that that two or three years in the, in the middle of the six year kind of um, time for Andy that we were very competitive but we just kept coming up short and um, you know it was you know there was probably an obvious enough trend in terms of how we were coming up short we were just fading in the last 10-15 minutes a game so we were we were in the mix when the, when the game was in the melting pot um, and ultimately, other teams took their chances, and they were they were able to see us off. Um, so I suppose they, we were very competitive. I think it was a team at that particular time. It just as a, as a fan, I think they were a team that were at times quite easy to get behind because you could see that there was a you know fantastic honesty and work rate and effort in the team. And look, we were just lacking a bit of quality. That's mm. that's ultimately my read of it. But it wasn't for a lack of 
sort of commitment or effort or, or I suppose willingness of the players to go right to the very end. They just look ran out of legs, ran out of steam and didn't maybe at times have enough quality to be able to bring into the team or have have the depth of squad. And, you know, it kind of, the depth of the panel grew over a couple of years, but then I suppose you were, you were losing players at times too. So it was just, mm. it's a difficult one to gauge. And in the last few seasons of COVID disrupted seasons, um, didn't help because they were kind of truncated seasons. There wasn't the opportunity to bounce back from a championship defeat and and maybe get a kind of a, a qualifier run again. So and and these things are all important in the development of a group because it just gives you more time together as a group um, in the championship phase of the season. You know, even if you get um, an extra round or two in the qualifiers, that could be an extra month's training together. Um, which is important and it can build, it can just build a bit of confidence in the group, particularly if you take a big scalp. And I suppose that's something that you would look at for me over the last, you know, it's not just in Andy McIntyre's time, but it's before that as well. Like we haven't really beaten any good team in championship yeah. in terms of a team that you would look at before the game and say, they're a team that are ahead of us in the, in the, in the leagues and a team that we would be going in as the underdog. Like we haven't won any of those type of matches that I can mm-hmm. recall. Um, and maybe someone to point me to a team that we did beat, but no, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, I don't. You know, we we beat Kildare one year in the championship, um, and maybe a couple of years ago. But I mean, on the balance of play, like we we sucker punched them with a couple of goals, so you couldn't say we were the dominant team or the, or even the better team on the day. You know, it was just one of these sort of random anomalies where Kildare almost shot themselves in the foot. It was it was more that Kildare threw the game away than we went and won it. I know that's a strange way to look at it, but. You know, you have to look at the the totality of these game, these games, the quality of teams, and say, look, we were just we we're just a level below, and it, it's very hard to put your finger on it. Like, I, I don't think um, I don't think there's any very clear definitive answer. It's it's ultimately that um, on the field we just haven't the performance has haven't been good enough, and I don't know whether that's down to the talent of the playing pool or or certain decisions kind of in management side of things. I think for the first number of seasons, I I wouldn't really be, I I couldn't be overly critical of anybody. Like we had a cup, you know, that Longford game was, was a just poor performance on the day from, from the group. Um, And we were very passive in that game. I can remember in particular, uh, very, very passive out of possession from trying to get the ball back. And, Look, a lot of the time, like again, that's players on the field at different times. Like management can prepare you uh, to a certain extent, but ultimately, you know, things happen in a game of football that, um, you know, you need you need to adapt to things on the field. And you know, I'm sure there's loads of preparation goes into it, um, but ultimately, there are times in a game where people need to, um, I suppose, deliver when it's needed. And unfortunately, in some of those types of games. Um, we just on the field didn't deliver, and then when you look, I suppose the killer, the killer thing that they that they'll all feel, uh, I suppose, in terms of Andy and his management team, is the the kind of performances against Dublin. Really, like they're the ones mm-hmm. that will, they're the ones that really stand out in the memory, um, unfortunately. And again, just not not really um, competing, and that's that's probably the the kind of thing that they'd be most disappointed about. But look, there was no doubt there was significant progression getting to Division 1, but unfortunately, um, maybe circumstances uh, conspired against them in, in the COVID seasons, which which certainly didn't help. And yeah. then, uh, look, the the bit of, uh, I suppose, the the county board executive vote that maybe was went against them at the, at the latter end of last season, kind yeah. of November or whatever time it was, um, certainly that just didn't... Um, 
I don't think. Look, it certainly didn't help. Like, there's, no. there's no way you could say it was. It was an. Aid that, to, that's to that's something. That's something I wanted to touch on again because that's still something that I I find really out of order in a in a way. Now nobody's sitting here saying that if that hadn't happened, Mead were going to win the All Ireland this year and it upset the apple cart to that extent. But how on earth can any county board three months after Mead are knocked out of the championship? And Andy McEntee spoke to off the ball yesterday, said how you know he'd had his review, he was under no. Illusions that he was going to be kept on. He was, you know, more or less had been told it was a, a fait accompli. Then he was, he was called up by one of his brothers, he said, and was asked that he'd been ratified yet. And that's when he started to get a you know, whiff that there was something going on. But how can a county board in October, when the county has been knocked out in July, then decide that they want to remove the manager? Like, it's irresponsible and that's being kind about it. Like, I think that was a really, really poor piece of work from the county board. If they wanted to get him out, they wanted to remove him. Fair enough. Do it in July or do it in August wait until October. I just found that ridiculous. And he said yesterday he was thinking about walking away at the time. Maybe he should have, and maybe county board would be feeling the heat a bit more now. But I mean, from your point of view, and he touched on it yesterday, the players know that this is his last year. So it wouldn't have helped, as you said. Now, again, I'm not saying it made a huge difference that we're going to you know, run through everybody and win a Leinster and All-Ireland. But I just thought that was really, really bad form from the county board or from the eight guys that voted against him at that point in time. Yeah, it, look... Nobody comes out of it with any real sort of credit or looking good, that's for sure. I would question, though, why this particular meeting didn't happen at the time. And like, as yeah. we know, in the GA, there's, there's some strange things can go on. And look, it could have been something very simple that, you know, the, the county board chairman made an assumption that this was just, you know, that he'd be ratified for, for the third year of his term or what, you know, it, it was kind of a, a, an extension of, of his, of his term or whatever. But maybe he didn't ask anybody else, <laughs> you know, hmm. like I, I don't know. Well, well he said at the time, he said at the time, John Cavanagh, that people were away on holidays and, you know, everyone was busy with their clubs after me were knocked yeah, out. That's, that's, that was that, nonsense. Yeah, that, that's, that's utter, that's utter rubbish. So, so basically, if he said people were away, well, then the, the reality is he didn't ask anybody and he was given Andy, um, a sort of a, an impression that he was he was going to be the manager just between the two of them, but sure he didn't. You know, by the sounds of that, if 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 he's if if that was the comment, and again, yeah. I don't know. Dave, and again, but, we don't we don't like that was what he said to Colm at the time after after that meeting. That time he said Colm had asked John Cavanaugh was was you know should this have done been done sooner? And he sort of said, well, people were back at their clubs, people were in holidays, this sort of stuff. But that's not to lay all the blame at John Cavanaugh's door. The bottom line is, as you said there, this meeting should have happened as soon after Mead were knocked out as possible get it done one way or the other and move on. But to try and do it in October when, as Andy said himself, they were already preparing for the new season and all that just seemed completely counterproductive. And as you said, didn't, didn't help this year's, this year's preparations at all. No, it certainly didn't. But, but back to the point, like, I mean, if, if you're supposed to have an executive meeting about a particular topic and the meeting is never held, well, then you can't blame the people when the meeting is held for making a certain decision. You know what I mean? Like if, if you don't ask somebody a question early enough in the process, well, then ultimately the person who's responsible for organizing the meeting is at fault. You know, if, you, if you're trying to, you know, get a consensus amongst 10 people, mm. you have to ask all 10 people, you know, if you just make assumptions and then say, ah, sure, I'll ask them in another few months. Like, that's not acceptable to me. So I, I don't mm. think it's fair to lay the blame entirely on, say, the people that would have, maybe made made the decision that they felt, you know what, I think a change is required. You know, I don't I don't see any issue with that. I mean like But shouldn't somebody have at least you know, shouldn't somebody have said totally. rather than wait waiting around for three months, you know what, actually this this man hasn't been ratified yet. We should probably get that done. Whether that's the chairman or the guys underneath him that, that maybe wanted Andy McEntee out. So surely somebody should have brought it to a head a little bit sooner than than, than October. Oh, 
David, a hundred percent, absolutely. Like, I mean, we're we're I'm definitely not going to be arguing the toss on that. I mean, like mm. it's it's completely. Everybody would be in on a consensus that it's completely ridiculous to wait months to make to to have this thing resolved or not resolved. It, it's completely ridiculous. And like, I can I can totally sympathise with with Andy and the and his management team where this kind of nonsense is comes out in the middle, you know, in November when, you know, it could have been done three months earlier. And then it's kind of like, yeah, they have, they have been working with the players or they have been putting a lot of work into it. And they're kind of saying, Jesus, are we doing these guys a disservice in, in a, in a kind of a, a, a shortened inter-county season as we had, you know, in 2022, where it's starting a little bit earlier and they're not giving an appropriate time for, for the players to be prepared appropriately by a different manager. Because if they decide to leave in November, as an example, but when will a new manager be in? At, yeah. at what point in time would they be able to get access fully to all the players and playing squad and, and start preparing the team? I mean, like it's 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 not right. It's it's totally not right. So I can type, I can understand how maybe Andy would have been significantly conflicted there. But it was one of those he'd be damned if he did and damned if he didn't yeah. because he 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 would obviously have a great degree of loyalty to the players and trying to kind of look after their best interest. That's that's what managers do. They're, they're there to, to facilitate the players and try to help the players to perform and deliver and, and, and get results. And if you're looking at that in November saying, bloody hell, the season starts in January, like how can I how can I leave these guys in the lurch? I'll you know, we'll continue on. But yeah. Look, again, from a player's perspective, you know, I don't know how that seeps into the mentality of a group. It's very, very difficult to say. Every every guy would be, I suppose, different in that regard. Some guys they don't care who the manager is as such. They're, they're there and they, they kind of look after their own preparation they did, and they, they just give their best efforts no matter what's going on in the background. They're able to shut out a lot of external factors and other players would be quite affected by that, would be quite affected by it and it would disrupt, maybe it'd affect them, you know, in terms of their psychology around training and going into games. Look, it's very, very difficult to say. But yeah. the one thing that is obvious is that there's a, there's a common trend across all sports, and Andy mentioned it um, in his interview and off the ball. Like, to be fair, there is a common trend across all sports whereby if it's fairly, if, if, if all the playing personnel know that a manager isn't there for the long term, they, they generally don't don't get the best out of themselves for whatever reason. Now, look, it's it, it depends on the spin that's taken there. Look, obviously, manager can come in and say, look, guys, this is, you know, a bit like the we've all seen the, the famous um, The Last Dance documentary. Well, it was fairly obvious from the start of that season it was The Last Dance, and that didn't affect the players given the yeah. commitment. So I suppose you can look at it two ways and say it could galvanise the group, something like that, because you can build a bit of a siege mentality or it can affect the, it can affect the panel in a different way and the evidence of the performances on the pitch and the results this season would suggest that it affected the team negatively, but it, how, how much of a factor that was in the overall look, that's impossible to ever quantify. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. 
So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah. Um, looking ahead then. Obviously, there's been a few names tossed around this week. Um, Malachi O'Rourke, Colin O'Rourke. Um, who, you know, who do you think would be the, with the right man? And, and actually, I was thinking about this myself again during the week. Does it really matter in, in some ways? And what I mean by that is, you know, the right man, quote unquote, might come in and, and get an extra 5%, 10% out of them. The wrong person, quote unquote, might come in and get 5 or 10% less. But either way, I mean, unless Mead can discover a couple of high quality forwards in particular, it's hard to see that their fortunes are going to improve hugely in the next few years. But, you know, who who do you think would be the right choice to come in or is anybody in your head at the moment? Very, very difficult to say, but, but does it make a difference? Yes, it makes a monumental difference to the performance of the team, who the manager is. Absolutely. The manager is the one who dictates pretty much everything and sets the tone, sets the atmosphere, um, builds the dynamic of the group and, you know, ultimately has to take full responsibility then for how performances go on the field and whether you know whether or not you get results or not. Um so yeah, the managerial appointment is massive. Um it's absolutely huge. Um and especially because we have a number of players that have been soldiering for me and given fantastic uh, commitment and service for a number of years. And if those guys are not massively enthused and excited by the the manager that's put next, I mean there's a risk that you lose Mm-hmm. players or they just kind of you know they lose heart with the whole thing or they or they decide that there that there's other things worth pursuing in life um rather than given the the huge and significant commitment that it is to to play county football and it, and it is a lifestyle choice for guys um and it requires a hell of a lot of commitment physically and and, and mentally and you know you're giving a hell of a lot of yourself there and if lads don't feel that there's um going to be kind of i suppose a, a chance of being really competitive then it's very hard for them to do it um the days are the days I think are long, long gone of of young men just being kind of seduced by the green and gold kit and the prospect of playing in Croke Park. I mean, you know, it's it's playing and winning in Croke Park. It's not you know turning up to Croke Park to play on a football field. Um, you know that that's not the that's maybe not the, the draw that it has been before. So I think that you know uh, I think that 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 maybe is an important factor too. Like a, a complete unknown manager with with no kind of high level reputation it wouldn't be a good fit I think that we need to get um, a high profile manager that's going to massively enthuse and energise and excite the the more experienced players that we have because you can't just rip it up and start again like what you have to remember is that any guys that are on that squad have a significant bank of inter-county experience strength and conditioning work done um, and it does take time to, to get guys up to that level so it, it, I, I would be of the view that you can't just rip it up and start again. Like the, the, the large bulk of the playing squad for next season will 
you know, will you would imagine be be from the current squad? There may, of course, there will be changes and different things like that. But um, and maybe some some of the younger guys who've had success at the at the underage grades coming through. But I think that you know you have to those lads need to be delivering strong performances you know, in adult club football before they should be even remotely considered for senior inter-county level. I mean, like you're talking about guys at under 17 and under 20. It's not even like it was when minor was under 18 and it was under 21. Like that was, that was more of a barometer. Whereas, you know, that extra, that extra year does make a significant difference to guys. And while there is, I'm sure, plenty of good work being done with development squads and that, you know, there is a, there is a difference between underage and adult football. And there's no doubt about that. And, I would certainly like to be seeing, um, you know, that 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 the core group remains in, in terms of the mid senior panel, and that the, those kind of more experienced players are energised by it, and then it's added to over time. I suppose that's probably the the way I would see the framework going. So, look, the manager appointment is massive, David. Like, you can't. I I would be very very reluctant, and I would not be in favour of this thing of you know saying the manager doesn't matter, giving the manager time to develop. No, we don't have time for that. Like it's too important. Like if we want to develop managers, they should be coming in maybe as part of a management group with a really experienced fella yeah. who's done the job success and I now successfully before. You know, you know, we have to get somebody who's high caliber who's done the job before. I mean, like there's 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 obviously, you know, two very high profile names in terms of um Maliki O'Rourke and Jim McGuinness have been have been I've seen their names been touted about. Mm. Um, now whether or not there's any interest on their side or not is impossible to know. There's no doubt about it that the Mead senior football management position is an exciting should be an exciting prospect for yeah. for for a lot of guys. But I mean, like they're they're the two kind of most high profile names that I've heard mentioned. And I, to be honest with you, I'd be reluctant to throw out any other names because you really look. It's I think Johnny Giles is kind of famous for saying that you know. He he he'd he'd hate to be the man who's picking picking a manager for a job because you really don't know the dynamic of the group is is a certain way and a certain guy comes in mm. and within five minutes he could have the group eaten out of palm of his hand and he'd go into another group of people and they'd hate him and you know so it's just yeah. it's very very difficult it's it's a very fragile ecosystem in a kind of a an interesting room and um yeah it, it's a it's a difficult one but I would just be looking at somebody who's who's got a very serious track record at, at, the, at the highest level, and that's who we should be pursuing. On those two guys then, Jim McGuinness and Malachi O'Rourke, let's just toss this one around for a second. You played under uh, an outside manager in, in Banty McEnany back in the, around 2010, Mark, a little bit after that. And that was an interesting period for me, football, I think we could certainly say. There was a heave against him as well, if I remember correctly, which was uh, rejected. What was it like playing under an outside manager at that time? And do you think that there'd be any pushback from, from people in Mead? I wouldn't expect so at this point. I think people just want the best man wherever he's from. But like we all remember how that reception of, of Banty was pretty hostile from a lot of Mead supporters. So now they've one of their own in Andy McEntee. And as we know, he was getting plenty of abuse as well. So maybe it doesn't really matter. Maybe maybe those sort of supporters don't discriminate. But um, would you have any fear about it being an outside manager? Uh, not personally, no. I think that the you know when when Bandy came in, he was the first outside manager, and it was um, look, it was tenuous from the get go, and obviously he had selectors who you know left pretty shortly into into his time as manager. So look, it was a very disrupted period of time. It's probably you know a lot of things that that maybe could have gone wrong did go wrong in terms of th- those opening few months, and look, it, it was uh, results on the pitch weren't good enough. So I mean, like it, obviously supporters who go to watch games of football, they, they want to see their team competing and winning. Like if the results are not good, then 
obviously supporters are not going to be happy or they're going to question things or they're going to, you know, you know, press for press for kind of improvement. And look, that's that's the nature of sport and competitive sport. And people are, I suppose, people go they're entitled to their opinion. You mightn't agree with it or like it, but that's that's the nature of the beast. Um, I I don't see an outside manager at this point in time being a significant issue. I mean, the reality is, you know, you're looking at it at at the time when Andy McIntyre got the Mead job, he was after winning an All Ireland club title with Bally Bowden. He was after taking the Mead Miners to an All Ireland final. You know he'd won he'd won maybe an intermediate championship with Dunamore Ashburn as well. So he he'd, he'd had a track record of of achievement and success. Um, you know I, I, nobody has any business being in 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 the conversation for a senior intercounty manager unless they have a significant um, CV of, of success. Like there's there's lots of guys who manage who've managed loads of different teams, but has never won anything. I don't. I really don't understand how anybody can be appointed as manager if they've never won anything. Like, yeah. It, it, you know, I don't get it. Um, lad, lads get a point of time and they achieve success at a certain level and then they maybe pro- progress to the next level. And some guys are, are are excellent at it. You even look at Jim uh, Jim Gavin. Jim Gavin had significant success at underage level with Dublin before he transitioned into the into their senior team. So, mm-hmm. you know, Jack O'Connor the same and Kerry. Like, and these are serial winners um, at the level. And that's guys need to learn their trade. But learning your trade at senior intercounty level is not where you learn your trade. Yeah, you, you, you know, you, you maybe the the guy who comes in at the top he sees um, maybe a pathway for certain fellas um, to develop, and and the county board should be looking at that. They should surely have a couple of guys earmarked for down the line, and what they should be do, trying to do is give those guys exposure to best practice at the top level. Um, you know, so maybe that's you know they're involved in development squads, and if they're if they're successful there, and they, and they show a decent track record, maybe at, at adult club teams as well, because there's a very big difference between managing underage teams and managing adult teams. I think that again, just because a fella has a couple of underage titles, um, doesn't necessarily mean that they're they're the right fit to manage an adult intercounty team. I think you need to have a decent record at a club level as well. Um, in terms of you know, in terms of just success, I mean, like again, I want to see I want to see winners here. Yeah. I want to see managers who are able to grind out you know grind out results for their team, yeah. irregardless of the style of play. And a guy who has a who has a good track record with different teams, with different types of players, and still being able to get results and galvanize the group and inspire the team to play better football or get results. They're the types of guys you want because. You know, in every county, you have different types of players. You have different skills and attributes within your panel, and that changes and evolves over time. So, a manager can come in, could come into Mead in twenty twenty three and have a certain uh, style and type of player in front of him. You know, his best fifteen could be fifteen small fellas, and he'll have to play a certain type of way. And then all of a sudden, two years later, two or three years later, he gets a few, you know, significantly big, powerful forwards that are brilliant at winning their own ball or whatever, and and the style has to evolve to suit that. So. Again, that's that's just they're just all these are all general things, David. So it's kind of look, it's it's very hard to know. But I'd like to think that we get the right man in at the top. I don't believe that that person being from outside the county impacts things. And then what I would like to see is that there's a clear pathway for coaches in Mead, promising coaches and managers that they're brought into the fold in terms of learning from that person and moving forward. That that's the way I would like to see it because um, off the top of my head, I can't think of any. Of anybody who would be, you know, a significant, um, who has a who has a, a long enough proven track record to take on the mantle of the Mead senior manager right now. Obviously, you know, contemporary teammates of mine, um, you know, Brian Farrell has obviously, you know, managed Rotot to a senior title. I mean, 
Uh, Kevin Riley has done an extremely good job um, with Trim in terms of getting success. And in fairness, he did, he did a really good job with O'Mahony's before that, despite the fact that they didn't win anything. You know, they, they were a very, very competitive team and he was a large part in that. Um, and look, there's loads of others. Carlo Brick obviously has, you know, done did, did brilliant work with the Mead Miners to, to win an All-Ireland title. So, and, there, and there's other guys as well who, who I suppose I'm not naming. There, there's loads of people who you would say have have promise. Um, you know, Davy Byrne there as well, who has um, yeah. managed retote to, to a championship and, you know, has significant experience in the Dublin backroom team over the years. I mean, you know, th- th- there, there's plenty of good coaches around. Yeah. It's just whether or not they're they're the right fit right now to, to for what Mead need. And again, like I'm sure there'll be loads and loads of names come out of the woodwork. And I suppose that's what the nomination process is mm. from the clubs and things like that. So look, hopefully we get the, the, right, the right man um, for the group because look, it, the whole thing obviously does need a lift. There's no doubt about that. So very final question. Let's assume all the available managers are interested in the job. Who would you want to come in as Mead manager? Oh, I, I don't have a strong opinion on it, David. Being honest, I, look, it doesn't, doesn't really bother me too much. There's no one, there's no one that like you would like. Would you not say Jim McGinnis straight away or Malachy O'Rourke? Would you not have a, a, a preference? Or you know, you're talking about serial winners. There's not, there's not that many lads out there to tick that box. So, is there any no. any any of those guys that you would you would love to see getting the job? Or are you easy about it? Uh, I, look, I genuinely haven't given it like genuinely haven't given it a huge amount of thought. Um, would, again, like you have to look at it like Maliki Rourke and Jim McGuinness are, are both from their Ulster coaches. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be perfect and suitable for the psyche of the of the Mead player. And like that, that is yeah. a thing. Like, I mean, the, the, the style of football that Jim McGuinness had Donegal playing, I don't think that that's the style of football that our player, that players in Mead are used to playing or are capable of playing. So, you know. But it might it, be winning. It might be winning football. It, it wouldn't with our t- it wouldn't with our team and it wouldn't with our players and you have to remember it was only winning football for them for one season and mm. um, because of the players that they had so I mean as soon as Colin McFadden left that team they had no they no and Murphy had to move out the field they had no target man inside to to feed off their top man so like these look there's managers have success at a point in time um, with the players at their disposal. I think that somebody like McGuinness would generate great excitement and would he get a kick from from the team in the short term? I, I have no doubt that he would get some sort of a kick. Maliki O'Rourke has probably played different styles of football. I think if I had if, if I was given a choice between the two of them, I'd probably pick Maliki O'Rourke because he's played he's shown that he was able to squeeze a huge amount out of um out of Monaghan team that you know were very, very competitive for a number of years and he achieved he won things with them. Um, now McGuinness obviously had massive success as well. It's kind of, you know comparing the two of them against each other is a little bit kind of silly on my behalf. I haven't you know haven't got a full full oh, yeah, statute no, no, in front of me on their track records. But like mm-hmm. look, either of them like those high profile guys could they could be brilliant appointments or they could be terrible appointments. Like okay. it's impossible to say, David. Like that's what I'm yeah. saying. It's not really the interview process would would tease an awful lot of this type of stuff out. Where mm-hmm. you know guys are genuinely grilled and and appropriately interviewed on what their plans would be for the Mead team. And, it, and if, if they were coming into an interview for the Mead senior football position and they were given generic answers, well, then they wouldn't be getting a job. It's as simple as that. So guys that have their homework done on the, on the playing personnel in the county and have a, a massive amount of work and who get through the interview process in, and impress the, 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 the committee in the best way will, will get the job. And unless you're in that position, it's very difficult to be swayed one way or another. There's, there's loads of capable people out there. There's loads of capable coaches and, um, 
and and it's up to them to I suppose put their name forward for the job and do it. But I mean, again, I haven't I genuinely like I know I'm saying I'm not repeating myself, but I haven't given it enough thought mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the the individual people to say who, who I think would get the job. I mean, I, I was strongly in favour of Andy McIntyre getting the job at the time because I thought he was a very promising Mead manager, manager from Mead who'd, who'd had a good track record. Um, there's, you know, I would always be in favour of having somebody from the county if there's somebody with the proven track record. Um, and currently I, I don't see that, that person in front of me right now in terms of a Mead man. So... Um, you would have to maybe look outside that and see who there is, and m- maybe maybe it's a case of one of those high cut profile guys, and there could be someone else we're not talking about, and maybe they they bring in some of these promising young coaches with them, and and you have a, a kind of a, a streamlined approach that that would be optimum for me. But who those people are, I mean, that's it's above my pay grade. David. <laughs> Ultimately, I don't care as long as they don't start uh, ripping ripping taking all the players from old tones and putting them on the beat panel. That's that's all I care about in the short term. That's what it's all about, the club loyalties first and foremost. Listen, Keen, it's going to be a really interesting next few months to see who me do go for and what names are being kicked around, but we'll uh, watch it closely. Thanks so much for giving us your, your views on it. No bother. LMFM Sunday Sport. Your sport, your station. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 